सहनावतु सहनौ भुनक्तु सह वीर्यम करवावहै तेजस्विनावधीतमस्तुमाविद्विषावहै ओम शांति 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 ही नमश्री शंकरानंद गुरु पादांबु जन्मने सविलास महामोहग्राहग्रासैककर्मने ईश्वरेनापि जीवेन सृष्टं द्वैतं विविच्यते विवेके सति जीवेन हेयो बंधस्फुटी भवेत सो नाउ यू नो वी हैव बीन लुकिंग एट a number of things here and the first verse is not as simple as it looks <laughs> you know even for those who may understand sanskrit you know we are finding out very quickly that the panchadashi uh, impels us you know to to engage at a very uh, intricate level and at a very uh, what's that involved level uh, because you know it is uh, i mean it can be taught at any level you can just teach it in a very basic cursory way but most of you taking these online classes have been taking it for some time and uh, i'm assuming i mean i don't know because <laughs> you're not sitting in front of me and uh, you know it's very difficult to have uh, what is that instant feedback in the form of either uh, you know either blank stares or a look of comprehension looks of comprehension so in the absence of that i can just you know uh, let go and teach whatever you know uh, whatever is whatever comes and um, so i'm assuming that this involved level of uh, engagement which the panchadashi calls for and which we have embarked upon is being enjoyed by if not all most of you so the first verse is a big bang <laughs> introducing us into the uh, into many things and we still haven't finished seeing all the things but just to review we have seen that there must be two kinds of duality and again we are only talking of duality not you know not multiplicity because the one who is cognizing the duality you know the one who is cognizing the duality is looking at it only from the standpoint of i not i atma anatma everything else is not i subject and object and so that subject object duality that's why it is called duality we have seen that and then you know the jiva the one who is the one who goes around in life without any understanding of the fact that there is a there are you know there is a creation already there that one is you know either building upon interacting with going in tandem with or going against these are the only possibilities correct or apathetically just going along perhaps that's one more possibility and this is what the jiva does and so this pre existing creation a creation you know that is that is there before this individual jiva took birth in a particular body and so this is something that one you know uh, in the present moment uh, from the standpoint of the embodied jiva this jiva is being reminded that there you know that there are two kinds of dvaitams first is what you know first is you have already come in this body to a pre existing creation 
more of a manifestation. And that we have to ascribe to Ishvara. Why? Because, you know, you, you were born on this particular date, in this particular body, and so, basically, there are, you know, you, you are interacting with already a pre-existing set of things, entities, norms, laws, etc. This individual jiva has to be reminded and that is done very cleverly with the use of the word api. Api shabdat, you know, it is, it is uh, inscribed. Then also, you know, this is such an ingenious text because the more you, you know, look into it deeply, the api is not for the individual jiva alone. So the individual jiva who is looking at the universe and then, you know, projecting and having one's own projections about the universe, which is obviously the jiva's duality, which is being superimposed upon Ishvara's duality, and we'll see that more in uh, detail. So then, you know, and don't worry, what is Ishvara, what is Ishvara's duality, etc. That will be very soon, uh, you know, these doubts will be put to rest because we are, you know, the author himself, Swami Vidyaranya is going to, the text is going to unfold for us all these things, as I said, from verses 2 to uh, 13 or 14, whatever it is. So the Ishvara's duality is going to be discussed, you know, in, in, uh, in detail. And so now, all we have to see is that at the level of the individual, what makes up a jiva is a sense of lack, alienation from the whole. And this alienation basically takes the universe and runs with it in a, and, and, and with its own spin puts its own spin on the universe and that spin on the universe is what, you know, that, you know, this is all me. What, where is Ishwara? What Ishwara? And most of the time people, you know, don't have a relationship with Ishwara until, you know, they come to Vedanta. So what kind of a relationship with Ishwara, if there is one, it has been inherited from the parents, regardless of one's, uh, you know, religious background. Regardless, because what happens is that usually a child is born into the any religion and then, you know, the parents take it upon themselves to school the child about and then they pass on, uh, uh, you know, the uh, ideas about God to the child, their own concepts, which they derive from whatever religion that they subscribe to. So usually the idea of God is pushed you know, in the throat of the growing child with a stick, you know, and force-fed, and this is what it is. God is loving, but better be careful. God is wonderful, but God created this universe, but where is this God? Somewhere up in heaven. So the universe is anatha. Anatha means what? You know, without a, without a, you know, father, mother. There is no God because God is in heaven, leaving you to battle all the bugs, mosquitoes, Zika virus and uh, Ebola and all these horrible, terrible diseases, you know, here in the universe. And then what's the point? The point is to go join God. And then, you know, okay, the point of life is afterlife. Are if afterlife is the point of life, then what am I doing here? You know? And uh, why, why this life? This, there is no answer. You know, this is just seen as the mystery of God. And even in the Hindu tradition, we don't fare much better really because the kinds of concepts inherited through the, you know, through the family, the familial version of God is, is very, uh, you know, strange. You know, I, I know that, you know, so many things we have to, uh, you know, we have to, uh, while growing up, so many things are there and then uh, there, there is, you know, there is no explanation because the parents themselves don't know and, my, you know, the grand, you know, why certain things are being done. The grandparents perhaps know a little more, but again the idea of God is 
hazy, vague and at best if an authority figure that is sitting somewhere and then I have to be very worried and especially in the Hindu tradition there is a correct way to do things and then a wrong way to do things and from childhood one is cool don't do this because you know you will have wrong results so if you don't know how to chant with the proper swaras better shut up I mean it, there is some truth to that but you know the thing is uh, the, the point is the the um, you know the, the the fear factor is what the point is here and don't do like this because you know God will get angry Ayyo, if God also gets angry there is no hope for me correct <laughs> so God will get angry and what will God get what will happen if God gets angry you know you will get some terrible karma phalas all these things so this way you know nobody has any understanding or an idea of God other than that which is pushed through you know religion you know and popular whatever it is you know society etc and so the jiva just goes around you know uh, you know at best having a kind of a problematic relationship with Bhagavan and that is what this chapter is going to put to rest and introduce to this jiva who whoever is the jignasu jiva the mumukshu jiva the uh, the you know the, the the understanding of Bhagavan that really makes sense and the only understanding of Bhagavan that makes sense is seeing Bhagavan as non-separate from oneself and so this apparent separation is resolved and the apparent separation is is the one that is called Jiva's duality and if this much is understood then we can proceed a little further and go deeper into this Jiva's duality because the Jiva's duality here you know is uh, from the source as I told you like everybody will have some you know some idea some vague idea of God you know based on their religions etc then this is at the individual level but on the collective level also there are misinterpretations about Bhagavan and uh, missed understandings of Bhagavan that are collectively projected as matas mata doesn't here just mean opinion mata means a quote unquote school of thought <laughs> school of thought and you know so school of thought means what one is schooled into thinking in a certain way ah, that's what it is it's a mata and in this you know in this you know there are that's why the word apishabda not just uh, talks about individual distortions of the reality you know where Ishvara is completely you know dished and uh, put on one side you know and so that individual jiva is reminded you're not the creator or the karta of the universe there is a karta of the universe and uh, the only thing that you can do is put your own little projection that's all you can do you can't create really except other than some confusion what can you create you know this is this the, the jiva is reminded on the individual level and collectively this is a vidyaranyas you know kind of a pointing towards the uh, or the falsification uh, or the critique of these kinds of matas matas means certain um, you know opinions that have uh, crystallized into various schools of thoughts and uh, you know let us just see what those matas are just a few just to give a you know flavor into how uh, when you when you immerse into a text how, what are the things that that we can see so this, this uh, and all and uh, just to remind you what what are we doing here we are understanding the significance of the word api in the very first line of the first verse of the fourth chapter so so collectively speaking from the standpoint of the matas we have for example bauddha mata so various kinds of buddhist thinking where ishvara is not in the picture at all poor Ishvara you know at least in other uh, matas the uh, you know Ishvara is uh, misunderstood 
here ishvara doesn't feature at all in this movie of you know various bauddha matas or buddhist thinking there is you know no ishvara because lord buddha himself was at best silent when asked about the question of ishvara and buddha's silence was uh, interpreted variously by various uh, people and various sec- uh, sects of the uh, you know of buddhism and so we have you know there is no ishvara so the world is the cause of sorrow ah but the world here you know what is the reality of the world is it real meaning it does, cannot be removed is it you know is it mithya is it dependent upon something else that is not discussed at all the world is the cause of your sorrow and there is no world outside your own projection you see this is a very subjective you know understanding of it so there is only jeeva srishti no ishvara srishti you see why that apishabda has to be used the apishabda is a arrow that is that is you know shredding and uh, what should i say you know putting out of existence all these wrong matas which are you know which are standing against you know the uh, standing against the understanding which is provided by vedanta so the first one is various kinds of bauddha matas and here the world there is nothing other everything is a subjective projection well, but what is the adhisthana for the subjective projection like for example if i subjectively see a a subjective snake you know somewhere then you know because there is no snake what is the snake rope snake correct so if i see the snake then there has to be an adhisthana upon which the snake is projected correct so if the whole thing is a wrong perception and they they, they accept that it's a wrong perception and that's why there is the cause of sorrow but if it's a wrong perception then you know what is the the basis or the you know what is the adhisthana the basis upon which this wrong projection is you know is is imposed that for that they have no answer <laughs> they have no understanding of this they have no answer of that and so this is very very interesting so we have you know a whole mata a whole way of thinking that talks at length about the projection but without looking at a subjective projection and accepts that the subjective projection is the cause of sorrow but then what is the objective reality upon which the subjective projection is imposed is not talked about in other words there is a snake and that is in my head okay and that i see everywhere <laughs> but then what you know where do i see the snake and what is the reality of that upon which the snake is seen is is not discussed at all and therefore this and and then vijnanavada one of the particular you know kshanika vijnanavada you know uh, one of the particular sects of the uh, buddhist thinking which was uh, very you know alive in that time and uh, you know the in in the time of uh, adi shankara and uh, you know all the way up to swami vidyaranya is is particularly problematic poses a problem for uh, us because it is looked upon as just the whole world is just nothing but your, what you think you see so if you are seeing something that means you are projecting it you know and this is problematic i mean for the, you know for one thing it is really not true you know otherwise then you know you can drive you know on a road full of potholes like some of the you know uh, areas in uh, in rural india so you can say the potholes are all my projection yet i'm going to go there because it's you know it's all my projection and then so that means what and then there is you know then you have a backache and because you have driven all through this kind of a potholes it's like you know riding over some kind of lots of obstacles and then what 
then you have backache that's also your own projection and then you know so there is just a uh, some kind of a disconnect there and that is what is the jeevas you know uh, jeevas world the jeevas world is nothing but a series of you know disconnected uh, projections disconnections and and the disconnected jeeva is not sitting quietly is banding together here on the collective level with other jeevas and coming up with various theories or schools of thought which were you know which are wrong and which are really as uh, you know as swami vidyaranya is going to say later they you know these matas are themselves jeevas projections ah this is jeevas duality that one can come up with all these fanciful ideas about the universe and about one's place in it so the first one is understood if it is understood we can go further this is what is called you know bauddha mata or various you know various uh, uh, you know or if it's not uh, just bauddha you know various forms of thinking which are you know which basically do not accept an objective reality so bauddha mata is there and then charvaka mata is there charvaka mata means the world is there for me to exploit yeah so in a way the world is there yes but it is all it's all mine and if it's not mine it is soon going to be mine don't worry i'll make it mine and the point is to make the world your own and just stomp around and do whatever you can make sure all your desires are fulfilled the world is simply a means to fulfill the desires you know so this is again a you know a mata that does not you know accept the um, accept ishvara there is no ishvara there is no ishvara here means objective reality and so there is no objective reality at all and the third mata is various uh, you know nirishvara um, sankhya and then what else you know uh, different um, nayayikas vaisheshikas but at least the nayayika tries to establish ishvara logically but so we can't really in, you know put the nayayika in this uh, in this block so but generally speaking those which are which uh, those matas those viewpoints which do not accept the veda as a means of knowledge yeah so this bauddha mata etc charvaka mata they are what are called veda bahyaha they are you know they don't accept you know they are what is called nastika matas nastika means doesn't mean they don't believe in god the, you know this is not this is like the uh, vernacular meaning of the word nastika nastika matas means that they are they, they don't accept the veda as a means of knowledge uh, for anything so there is no shraddha towards the veda or vedanta that unfolds ishvara ha huh. and so their take on the world will be very very different and so our take on the world we are not you know veda bahya so we are accepting the veda as a means of knowledge and and we have talked about this means of knowledge means that if i have to know about the truth of myself there is no other way except taking recourse to the shastra via the teacher because the teacher is a microphone that you know amplifies the shastra so that i can hear it properly and so the teacher in, you know interprets the shastra in keeping with the rules of the shastra in keeping with the rules of the guru parampara that has gone on you know for a long time uh, long before i came into being so therefore you see there is a there is a there is a very glaring difference between the uh, you know between the individuals and groups of people who don't accept the veda as a as a means to one's you know ending of this notion of bondage this notion of bondage this dvaita is the 
jivas you know problem is the bandha so that notion of bondage is because of the subject object difference not being understood properly we don't say there is no subject object difference but at the same time we don't say that the subject object difference is the ultimate reality <laughs> so the subject object difference is neither real nor unreal it cannot be established you know categorically why because i told you yesterday in sleep there is no subject object difference yeah. even a child that is clinging to its teddy bear in sleep forgets about the teddy bear and then you can take away the teddy bear and and you know hide it somewhere or take it away from the sleeping child and then the child doesn't even miss the teddy bear doesn't cry doesn't do anything because there is no teddy bear no child no object that is needed for security nothing so the hugging of the teddy bear is before the sleep and then when the child wakes up the child may cry for the teddy bear but in sleep no subject no object similarly the child that hugs the father or the mother you know while going to sleep no father no mother and you know no bed no pillow no baby cot nothing all that is there is just this oneness no subject the subject object difference collapses in sleep collapses in a state of murcha murcha means when some sudden you know you get up too fast and the blood flow from the brain is not there and the low blood pressure gets suddenly low and then you just have a momentary you know this this syncope the fainting and then what happens no subject object difference oh where was i you suddenly come to and then all the concerned people are around you and then it was just a split second but nonetheless you don't remember anything and then again in the state of meditation when you know you are, you become one with the mantra no subject object difference then again even when you are not meditating the uh, you know you are happy and you laugh at a joke you know and you forget about everything you are just so content with yourself again there is no subject object difference the subject object difference completely you know is obfuscated and so this subject object difference is something that comes and goes i told you this yesterday in a different way there is vyabhichara and this vyabhichara has to be accounted for you know so you cannot dismiss the subject object difference because during the waking state i'm always dealing with objects as the subject and so and that you know point 1 point 2 also during the waking state i find that the objects can overpower me the subject and cause affliction point number 2 so the subject object difference cannot be dismissed like the vijnanavada etc and then the subject object difference at the same time cannot be affirmed <laughs> cannot be affirmed because it is if it is affirmable it should be there all the time and that is what is the meaning of the word sat or real satyam real means it should be existing all the time and so the subject object difference doesn't exist all the time and so that's why it is not real so it is you know it is not abadhitam in other words it is not non negatable the subject object difference is eminently negatable and at the same time eminently not establishable as the truth of oneself or the jagat so therefore that's why vedanta is needed because this iffy nature of the subject object difference and this subject object difference has so much power over me and this subject the objects in the world which is not i can overpower the sense of i the i notion and that is why this chapter is very much needed to see how that happens and more importantly to have an objective understanding of the subject object you know difference so that 
I can be free of this notion of bondage. So if the subject-object relationship is not, you know, affirmable, is not ultimately real, then the notion of bondage is also not real, correct? That's why it's a notion. First, the person says this is an ocean of bondage. But then after doing some inquiry, then you see that it is merely a notion of bondage. And that is why, you know, Vedanta is a very sound interpretation. And, you know, and, and it is not one more, this also I have to say, it is not one more school of thought. You know, if you go into the academics, you know, nowadays there is so much, uh, whatever, Vedanta is becoming very popular in in academia, I call it academentia, and, uh, you know, and uh, so Vedanta is becoming extremely popular. People are all writing books about it and, you know, discussing it, offering classes, all these things, and uh, writing PhD thesis, and so this is the uh, so, so this is something which is extremely you know interesting uh, because you know when you look at all these academic books what do you see you see that there are six uh, systems of philosophy six schools of philosophy nyaya schools vaisheshika school sankhya school yoga school and then these are all, and we are schooled into thinking all these things. So, Yoga, Sankhya, Vaisheshika, and then, uh, you know, some some other things are there. And then finally, uh, Purva Mimamsa school, you know, and then what? Uttara Mimamsa school. Uttara Mimamsa is also called Vedanta. Uttara means Uttara Bhaga, the analysis of the last portion of the Veda, you know, here is called a school of thought. I tell you, if Vedanta becomes a school of thought, we better stop the classes right here. Because what's the use, you know? What's the use of studying one more school of thought that is contending with or is, you know, in uh, whatever, you know, is one more thing to know. Already one has so little time, there are too many things to know and one doesn't want to boggle the mind some more because I have no time. And that's why people will tell you, I don't, I, I, it's not that I don't want to study Vedanta. People tell me this all the time. I have too many things on the burner. Burner means on my priorities, list of priorities. I have too many contending things. And to them I say, Vedanta is not one more thing. <laughs> In fact, it is the thing to know so that all these other things that you have going need, will not be overwhelming you. In fact, it is the only thing to know. And if this is not understood, then Vedanta will just be some kind of a faraway, nice possibility to indulge in once in a while, like a piece of, you know, chocolate cake or something, not too good for you, it has trans fat and it is, you know, it has all kinds of things. So once in a while I can indulge along with all these other, you know, other healthy things. So one more thing is competing? No. Vedanta is you. It is not a school of thought about you. Yeah, it is not one more thing that is trying to explain something, you know, about you. You know, the, you know, you is not here. In other words, all the other schools of thought have the, the, you know, have the I as an object. Ah. And here the I, here alone the I is seen as the subject and the nature of this subject is unfolded as non-separate from the objects that it confronts. Very beautiful. Ah. Whereas in most other schools of philosophy, schools of thought, the subject-object difference is ratified, is seen as real. And so no moksha is possible. Understand this very carefully. Moksha means freedom. How can you have freedom if the subject-object, uh, you know, difference is real and is taken very seriously? 
and this is what happens you know here either you dismiss the you know you say everything is subjective or certain other buddhist mathas again say that the, the objective reality is there but ultimately it is the, the truth of the world is nothing and so you know and so what to do you know become one with nothing <laughs> really how can you become one with nothing who is the one becoming one with nothing and who is the one that is calling out that there is nothing are you existent or non existent and if you are non existent how can you be the witness of nothing you know these are all things that you know this is this is all things that one has to see and so the subject object relationship you know has to be has to be understood in keeping with your own you know your own sense of logic yeah your own sense of logic and your own experience you know it cannot be out any discussion of the subject object difference cannot be outside of the you know your own experience and your own experience of sleep happiness uh, fainting etc shows that this subject object you know difference is not ultimately real and your own experience of yearning to be one with everything again shows that this yearning you know is is in keeping with the reality that vedanta unfolds that this yearning is you know is not outside of what is the reality the reality is you are already one with what you yearn for and so this yearning is to be one with every single thing in the universe that's the yearning that's why one falls in love <laughs> whether it is with a piece of chocolate cake which was afore mentioned or with a person or with a book or with a thing because one cannot help want to eliminate the distance between the subject and the object the only mistake here is that i confuse you know i try to you know become one with a one finite object at a time and that finite object collapses dissipates ages become sick dies and then i'm left wanting again and then i try to unite with one more finite object and that breaks because it's an object and then the, you know and then again i am left disappointed then i you know try to unite with one more thing each time i am looking for the real thing that's why the coca cola is so successful because it advertises itself as the real thing everybody says oh i want this i want this because it is it is east or west it is the best it is the real thing huh? that's why it is so successful the marketing and what else is successful is this uh, iphone because the word i is in it again there is a subject object obliteration please understand this iphone ipad and imac and you know all these things so the computer is called imac and the phone is called iphone and the i is very small i why because they don't want you to be afraid the advertisers you are the big i i'll just be the small i and very ubiquitously without you knowing very sneakily i will take over this small i takes over your whole life and without the phone it's almost as there is no i you see this yearning for that subject object difference obliteration is nicely mined and distorted and taken advantage of by all the companies ha ah, including amazon amazon is the big, biggest one here because why you know you desire something you desire to be united for for something and no sooner than you press the button you know click order place the order you click on the button and then you hear some sound what is especially if you are living in a big city what is the sound a drone and the package is delivered <laughs> into your backyard so the other object of desire has been united with the subject but why it is so frustrating is because you know 
because one doesn't understand <laughs> that the object is not separate from the subject but the subject is that which can never be objectified that is why you know the way in which the jiva goes about trying to obliterate the subject object difference you know is not satisfying ultimately because the jiva goes with its you know limited understanding of the finite world of objects and then it misses the infinite which is itself missing the infinite it tries to unite with the object of its choice of its desires raga dvesha based objects and in the process you know what does it do it tries to make the finite into infinite and in the process it misses the infinite altogether whether it's the individual jiva or a collection of jiva's opinions raised to the level of a school of thought so vedanta cannot be a school of thought because it doesn't have anything to say about the you know it doesn't have anything to say you know that is that is one more thing to know in the universe it is not a treatise about the universe that is outside of you it is not a treatise about ishvara whether that ishvara exists or doesn't exist outside of you it is talking about you as you know it is putting you front and center into any kind of a discussion that it makes about the universe about ishvara it it, it what it reveals is therefore mind boggling that you are non separate from the source of the universe and this is not something to be manufactured by uniting with each and every object trying to make the finite into infinite and falling short each time and crying each time so what do i have to do you, you know you are already one with the universe you know oh jiva please know it through studying and you know through studying with the teacher this is something to be known because you are not you know the this unification of the subject and the object is not something to be manufactured by you huh? or by any religion it's not something to be manufactured it is siddha vastu vishaya it is an already established fact and if it is something already established it doesn't nothing i have to do that means what then the only question to ask is how come i don't know it ha and so you see this is an entirely different pursuit the scope of it is not covered by any school of thought by any religion by any mata including the hindu religion this is not about religion this is because the religion is a set of do's and don'ts religion is what is called vidhi nisheda paraha paraha means which is an expert expert in what do's and don'ts and that's why in every religion there are commandments do this don't do this you know thou shalt not do this thou shalt do this we also have vedic commandments injunctions are there you know and then uh, what are the injunctions you know suram na pibet don't drink alcohol don't do this don't do that and you know and then you know what else you know satyam vada dharman chara swadhyayan ma pramadah study your veda speak the truth don't tell lies don't do this don't do that all these do's, do's and don'ts you know is is what is religion so what is vedanta vedanta is that which is beyond do beyond don't huh? that which transcends all do's and don'ts and the do's and don'ts have meaning only for you know gaining a certain discipline in order to study this 
that dispenses this body of knowledge that dispenses with all the do's all the don'ts ah this is very interesting that is why vedanta is a series of paradoxes it's not one more thing to know it is not one more religion it is not one more point of view it is a you know it is the standpoint from which i can observe all points of view love them up let them be in their spaces and no i am not any one of them this is this is the beauty of vedanta all matas are accepted we don't we don't you know we may have contentions but that is to be firm in the in understanding the truth so the contentions are not they, they are sparring partners so we are not confused to think like them because we can be confused vigyanavada is very similar in certain ways because it is vedanta taken out of context so like this you know it it looks similar but to be established in the knowledge we have to differentiate from all other things that are similar but once that differentiation is done once this vedanta the knowledge of one self as the truth of the whole is assimilated there is there is nothing to spar there is no no, no purva pakshis to beef out of existence we accept all of them we say you are an important point of view you were a point of view you know which really helped me along even in my own journey but right now i have come to the end of the journey i accept you but i transcend you that is what the beauty of vedanta is it is not one more religion it's not one more school of thought it is not one more thing to be understood it is all about you it unfolds the nature of you as the truth as the source of this universe and then what happens to the subject object difference the subject object difference too is transcended you know you go beyond the subject and the object because the subject object difference is what is a superimposition on that reality which is neither subject nor object it's it's you know it is just it simply is and that is is you this is what the teaching is so the, therefore what so the sparring partners are just for fun so that you are able to distinguish yourself and see that that's why it is not one more thing to understand and so then you know the, this the, you know if this much is understood then you know we can we can take we can take this to you know we can take this further so then ishwarena api we can look at the consequences of studying the first verse and what we have in store both of those things we can uh, we can look at now so ishwarena api jivena cha you know what srishtam dvaitam vivichyate and so now you know what does this what does this chapter what is this chapter going to do for me now we can really really take the time to understand what is this chapter going to do for me the chapter is going to delineate two kinds of what is called dualities so one is the subject object difference that i perceive ah because there is a, like i told you we cannot dismiss the objects in the universe as non existent because they have a certain existent existence i cannot say i cannot say that the flower i see is just a conjure conjuring up of my own mind by because you also if there were a flower you know you also see the flower correct it's not just i see the flower we have a certain shared understanding of the world which you know goes according to certain laws there is a krama and we are going to be told that by uh, vidyaranya swami ji you know there is a krama krama means there is an order and that's why we can live in a shared world that is why buses you know trains and uh, you know can run because there is a force of gravity that's why planes can fly that's why you can sit in a you know plane and then go from place to place 
and that's why you can walk so this is the 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 order of of the world, the physical order gravity and then you know then we can have certain other things such as you know your body is not that different from my body and there is not that different from the body of an animal and you know wherever there is an eye it will look it it can see that this is a law anatomical law so there is a certain a shared uh, you know you know uh, reality that is ensuing forth from the subject object difference so there is an objective subject object difference bear with me <laughs> you know and there is what is called a subjective subject object difference that you know that here is being delineated by swami vidyaranya the first one the quote unquote objective or empirical subject object difference that we perceive in a shared way that is what is called ishvara srishta dvaita ishvarena srishtam you know jagat so this ishvara's jagat is what the empirical shared subject object you know uh, difference based upon which we can run the universe and according to certain laws there is a shared reality that that encompasses that surrounds all of us this is what swami vidyaranya says ishvarena srishtam dvaitam or ishvara dvaita then this subject object difference you know causes a certain frantic activity this uh, this uh, this empirical you know sub or transactional subject object difference which we call vyavaharika satta or transactional reality causes the jiva to frantically or frenetically act to what is that to to manipulate that subject object difference and this activity by the jiva to superimpose its own twist on that empirical subject object difference is called by swami vidyaranya as jiva srishtam dvaitam yeah so there is ishvara srishta dvaita there is you know there is a projection here that a shared reality of the subject object difference that i perceive that i am able to see and that i am able to interact you know and it's not just a subjective perception you also see that and then somebody else in china will also see that you know the same law which makes the bus run in india will make the same you know bus run in china and in uh, in the americas no difference correct because th this is what the whole thing is so this shared reality is called ishvaradvaita and then what the spin that the jiva puts individually and collectively to what to to superimpose or you know and to see this subject object difference from a skewed perspective because why is it skewed because swami vidyaranya says this is what my dear friends is contributing to your bondage to your notion of bondage is the spin that one is putting on ishvara's reality that alone is jiva's duality ah ishvara's reality is jiva's duality this is what the whole thing is so this jiva's duality you know is what needs to be given up in order to live peaceably in ishvara's reality this is very beautiful this is what is going to be told you know very very nice so the ishvara's you know reality is given up sorry the jiva's duality is given up in order to live peacefully in ishvara's reality and that is what is called moksha and there is a wonderful text uh, that we have studied earlier uh, you know 
called dhanyashtakam i think kate even transcribed it and uh, so dhanyashtakam and uh, dhanyashtakam is a series of eight verses by written by uh, from the standpoint of the view of dhanyas dhanyas means those jivas who have gained this vision of no division and they are blessed dhanya means blessed and grateful so they are grateful they are blessed and they are free and then you know what is this dhanya is given very nicely and so the standpoint or the view point of the you know this this dhanya you know is is uh, uh, talked about here where the dhanya goes the the, the one who has who is uh, unburdened by one's own projections about the empirical universe goes about life you know enjoying everything and not complaining about anything ha goes about life enjoying everything there is nothing to complain about because as the ashtakam says you know any river that you meet is ganga <laughs> because it is as holy as the ganga you can enjoy it any city you meet is varanasi any city you go to is varanasi it's a holy city meaning everything is sacred you know any person you meet is bhagavan and so really there is no difference everything is enjoyable because everything is a projection of ishvara and who who are you you are the free person enjoying these various you know names and form as an extension of bhagavan may as even an extension of yourself very interesting and so what happened to all the do's and don'ts by the various religions you know they have been assimilated and transcended and there is one more text which we are going to study in eugene an ashtakam called shukashtakam very rarely studied in fact it's very hard to find even a, a proper version you know um, proper text shuka the son of vyasa shukadeva the same one that um, you know that uh, wrote uh, uh, who is the author of the shrimad bhagavatam he taught you know to parikshit he is famous for that he taught parikshit shrimad bhagavatam in a course of one week because parikshit the only survivor of the dreadful war of the kauravas and pandavas a very sad man and then due to some uh, accidentally killing a snake or something he was cursed to live for just one more week and he goes to lord shuka son of vyasa and shuka he says i am just distraught i have only one more week to live help shuka laughs shuka uh, you know laughs at him and king parikshit is very upset king parikshit says i am suffering here and you are saying what you are saying that uh, you know you are making fun of me you are making fun of me and i am suffering here how could you do this and shuka says what else can i do except to make fun of you because at least you know you have one week to live my dear king i don't even know that and uh, so then the king comes down and he says how to make the best use of this week what should i know and he teaches him vedanta through shrimad bhagavatam so it's the same shuka and shukashtakam is a he, it's composed by him a set of eight verses that he chanted to his father and his relatives before he left house when did he leave house you know 18 20 25 holy <laughs> at 5 years old he understood all this because whose son is he after all you know <laughs> yoginam eva kule bhavati dhimatam you know uh, bhagavad gita says and you know the the person uh, you know who who has studied vedanta in the last life is born to a gnani vyasa was a gnani and shuka you know shuka says bye bye at the age 5 and then he has to convince the people why he is going and then he uh, you know in in uh, he composes extempore shukashtakam 
and in this Shukashtakam, the last line is what? For the Jnani, ko vidhihi, ko nishedhaha. What injunctions? And then, what prohibitions? No injunctions, no prohibitions. You see the whole, that's why it's not a religion. That's why Vedanta is not a religion. It's you. So for the one, you know, who grows up emotionally through the do's and don'ts, then can let go of the do's and don'ts because the do's and don'ts, you know, no longer apply to the person of knowledge. And that's why this is not one more school of thought. And that is why we have to look carefully into what is this Ishvara Srishti and what is this Jiva Srishti so that one can be given up. So, you know, which one? Naturally, Jiva Srishti has to be given up in order to understand this, you know, truth of the Self as Ishvara. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadagya Purnamevavashishyate Om Shantishantishantihi Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om